Um, if you weren't with us last week, we're just in the midst of a um, haora hininaro series, and um, they're Māori words which just mean haora means like sort of well-being, and uh, hininaro means like mind, consciousness, thoughts, and what we're looking at as a church, as Kurimako Vineyard, we're just looking at this really important part of who we are as humans, um, that we're not just... Um, you know, we're not just this like physical beings and, and, and then a spiritual being. Um, we're actually made up of all these parts, you know, like of spiritual, emotional, physical. And um, often it's been a bit of a neglected part of the church is, is looking at our, our mental well-being. Um, but if you read through scripture, like I shared last week, you see all these Bible characters that are, that are, that are dealing with these things. Um, even though they're having incredible encounters with God, they're still humans. They still put their... Their, their pants on one leg at a time. They're, they're just like us, you know, they're humans, you know. Um, I was reading in Psalms, David sort of said, you know, he's writing, writing about, why are you downcast my soul and, you know, why are you troubled within me? Like, it's, it's basically, he's like saying, man, why do I feel like this and why, what's going on for me? You know, like, this is written thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, but those, those things are still true of those guys as they are of us today. This is how God's made us, and this is part of our, our makeup. And for us as a, as a church, you know, one of our values is, is whanaungatanga, and I, and I talked about this last week. You know, we, we want to be a big family to one another, and part of that is, is helping each other with our, our mental well-being, um, as well as our spiritual well-being and praying for each other and, um, you know, um, having meals and doing all sorts of things. We actually just want to look out for one another, and this, this is where I, I talked last week a little bit about the, the place of confession that's been, uh, you know, in a, in a way lost in the church. Um, uh, it, it, you know, because we often outsource those things to, which, by the way, counselling is amazing and um, we're, we're all for that too. Um, the church has lost its sort of place of confession, that there's actually a part in there where we're actually meant to confess to one another, it says in the word, and bear each other's burdens, as Paul said in Galatians. Like, this is something that we can do together as we're vulnerable with one another. And obviously, as part of our church, we have Fano Kai, and then we've been recently to start up the huddles groups, and that is an awesome way that you can be in a small group of people, vulnerable one another. You can um, pray for another, encourage one another, and listen to another. And the thing I was kind of highlighting last week is that, yeah, people are going to need a whole lot of different approaches for things. That might be seeing the doctor, that might go to a counsellor, that um, might be doing all sorts of things, medication, whatever it is to help them. Um, but the part that we can play, which is actually really important, and, and is, is we, we think it's really complicated, but it's actually, actually quite easy, is to be a friend is to be a family member, is to listen, is to, to connect with people, is to, you know, go and have a coffee, have someone over a meal, go for a walk, ask them how they're really doing. Um, not just do the surface level stuff all the time, but actually, you know, go deep, you know, see how people are really doing, what's really going on for them in their lives. And so this is, this is the heart of what we're doing with this series, is we really long for, um, as a church, that we would, we would go sort of deep and wide, really, with this sort of stuff as a church whanau, you know, and be real, and be okay that, hey, we're not perfect, you know, like, <laughs> um, we don't have it all together, but we've got God, eh, and, and we've got each other, so, anyway, um, I'm going to um, sort of, uh, yeah, I'm going to um, sort of hand it over to Amy today, I'm just going to ask, ask her sort of a bit of her journey, um, and, um, and then, yeah, we'll go from there. 
Um, so, Amy, welcome. <laughs> why don't you, um, last week I shared a bit about my journey with mental well-being, um, but yeah, why don't you just share um, what your journey's been like in that whole area? Yeah, well, it's quite it's quite broad, isn't it? When we think about our own mental well-being journey, and so I was, you know, you know, what part should I pick up on that? And I decided I wanted to talk about my recent realization for my need of Sabbath and how that affects my hauora heningaro. And yeah, so I think I've been, um, I am a very even person, um, generally. Um, <laughs> but when I was younger, <laughs> when I was uh, younger and, you know, young married and had little kids, I, I, I yeah, I was very even, I was very steady. Um, there was times um, where you felt different pressures and things. And I remember when we had uh, four little kids and, I was back in Palmy. We'd been in Christchurch for a little while, and I had uh, Lovey and Matt Man. He was a little bit, a little bit wild, and um, yeah. And so my sister Mel, she was just in Ashurst, and she was in the baby phase as well. And we had a little deal worked out between us that if we ever felt overwhelmed that life was getting on top of us with these babies we'd just get on the phone and we just said help that was just the code word it's not very code is it but yeah <laughs> and then the other one would just come so I'd just get on the phone to me help and she'd I'll be there so she'd pack up her kids and come and we'd just do the day together we'd carry on doing our normal stuff just at the other person's house uh, except for Mel I'm I'm an introverted person Mel's extroverted so if she was in need of help she would ring up and say help, I'm on my way over, because she needed to break free of the cabin. Whereas I was okay, you know, being at the cabin, being introverted, that was okay. I just needed some teamwork, but she needed to break free. So she would generally come to me if she needed that. She'd come and hang at my house. Uh, but I was, I was I, even though there was that going on, I think that's pretty normal uh, in those phases of life. And I felt pretty even, pretty steady. And a lot of that baby period of life, that actually really worked really well for my personality. I didn't have to do a lot of intentional things, really, to be to be well in myself and the stuff that I needed for my personality. Uh, with the the day I was um, super busy, for the mamas out there, you know, salute you guys. <laughs> You know, there's not much time in your day is there actually sitting. I don't think I sat unless I was breastfeeding a baby or feeding the kid or I was sitting down to play juke blow with them or something like that. It was just physically go, go, go all day and the endless housework and um, that lovely little people like to make. Uh, but I found it was actually really good um, for me. There was a lot of time for me to escape in my nothing box in my brain. And I... I need that a lot, actually. And so I could be putting a kid down for a nap and so I'm crushing some housework with the dishes or something, but I'm, I'm, it's quite vacant up here. And <laughs> I've just gone into my nothing space. And <laughs> so I actually got some good opportunities for that in that time. And I didn't have to coordinate. I didn't have to organise it. It just happened because, yeah, kids are napping, so I'm cranking some housework and I'm vacant upstairs or I'm 
doing Duplo, and I'd like to say I was always <laughs> engaging with my kids when I was doing Duplo, you know, but sometimes you get pretty good eh, at answering on automatic, you know, so there's nothing going on upstairs, and I'm like, eh, yeah. I think my mum tells a story about um, when we were little, she could read a book to us with her eyes closed and just read it, and I imagine there wasn't much going on then as well, in the head it was just reciting. <laughs> Yeah, but I need, um, I need a lot of that, I realised, and those years really gave that to me. Um, I was out a lot as well in, the, in nature, which I need, um, out, in the, out with the pram, out at the park, and chasing kids and all that sort of thing, so I was getting exercise, I was getting out there, so I had all this stuff just kind of happened in my life naturally, and then I came to the next phase of life with children all at school and then I could work and things and I didn't I didn't adjust I didn't adjust to my new set of circumstances and really nothing in my world was the same anymore my day looked completely different um, and I and I realize now that I see that that you must have to do that uh, in every season of life, you must have to look at how are you looking after your well-being um, as your circumstances change. And so the kids were all at school and, and I started working and doing different things and my day uh, looked different. And last year, um, I came to a point, kind of crashing into a point really, um, where I realised I felt incredibly flat. And the things that I normally got excited about or the things that normally gave me joy, it just wasn't there anymore. And, and it really, yeah, it really sucked. And I, at the time, I was kind of, everyone, like everyone had a weird year last year, didn't they? Um, but I think... A weird year and a, and a kind of a little bit of a lead up to not adjusting to my change of circumstances over three or four years, I came kind of to this, yeah, to this point where I all of a sudden felt this kind of groundhog day thing settle over me. And the tricky thing was, um, I, I, I have actually up until that point had a lot of pride in my ability to manage myself and manage my own emotional and mental well-being. Uh, Nick shared last week that... Um, you're a bit worried. Yeah. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> that, that, he, that he takes the position for, for bringing the drama dynamic. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's totally true. Um, I and I realised probably quite arrogantly that um, I felt like from our dynamics, man, I've got this secret sauce for health and well-being, <laughs> and um, and I don't. <laughs> I yeah. So I was very surprised at the place that I found myself in. And I didn't know how to get out of it. I've got a fantastic internal monologue normally that's taken my temperature and talking to me, you know, oh, oh, you're feeling a bit like that. Why are you feeling like that, Jamie? Oh, that's why you're feeling like that. Like, it's brilliant. She's very active. And, yeah, Julie's got one too. 
Um, but anyway, after um, a good period of neglect, that wonderful internal monologue, she had just kind of, she decided to put her own self on holiday. She'd gone <laughs> out of protest and I was left to fend by myself and I, I didn't know, I didn't know what to, yeah, how to figure my way um, out of this little funk. And I had to um, really go back to basics with my relationship with God as well. Because not only wasn't I feeling the same amount of joy and excitement with, um, you know, birthdays and, you know, different stuff or, yeah, some of the activities that I normally enjoy or the stuff I enjoy with family and that, I, my, I, my relationship with God all of a sudden felt really hard and um, it was like, you know, on the old landline phones with the cord, I felt like someone had snipped the cord or, or like my GPS had gone totally whack and I hadn't memorised my way home and I couldn't find my way home again. And so I had to kind of go back to, um, to yeah, start from scratch really. And so some things that were really helpful to me were getting out in nature, um, taking some walks and just nothing, just just letting just letting myself be and just walking and I wasn't even really conversing with God, I was just being with God and I found that really helpful. Um, I remember one time I just, I just felt God's presence but nothing in particular and I always find water is very powerful for me, like physical water beach, river, whatever, I always find God speaks to me really powerfully or I have wonderful encounters in the water. So I was going by the river, the river behind our house for us walk. It was freezing cold. It was winter. And I thought, I felt like God saying, you know, come down, come come down, get off the path, come down by the riverbed. So, you know, come down. And, um, and then I felt like God was saying, well, come on in. Come on in. I thought, oh my gosh, it's freezing. <laughs> it's freezing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but, uh, you know, I was feeling pretty desperate. I wanted to, um, I wanted to encounter God afresh. And I, I saw a quote on Facebook a little while ago or something someone had said about, does the child, um, is the child any more the father's child when the father's walking beside them? Or, oh, sorry. Or when they're carrying them, you know, when they're in it had in the picture, it had like a little kid in the father's arms, you know, and of course the, the child is the father's, whether they're walking beside them or in the arms, but you feel more the father's child, don't you, sometimes when you're in the father's arms, and so I was just, um, because I was finding it hard to connect with God, I was desperate to have it in the father's arms encounter, so um, I can, yeah, so I, I felt like God was just saying, get in there now, sort of thing. But I thought, well, can I at least take my shoes off because I don't want to walk home in wet shoes? So I took my shoes off and just walked into the water. It was absolutely freezing. But, yeah, it was wonderful. I just felt God just saying to me um, to, I looked, I was just, I was facing down the 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 way the water was coming down up, down river, and but I felt like, yeah, God just said to me in that moment, you know, no, no, turn this way and look up river, 
you know, this is where we're going, look up river. And, and it was just really simple, but it just gave me that little thing to, okay, yes, you know, keep on going. And um, yeah, so, so things like that, because I was finding it, I found reading my Bible really dry, because I was going, you know, I did, it felt just, it just felt really, yeah, it felt dry. I found it hard to pray, but doing stuff like that, just a simple walk where I was just being with God, putting on worship music, just being with God, um, something that did help me engage in prayer, because I still, you know, I still prayed, I still tried to read my Bible, but um, but something that was really helpful was like the um, Lecto Divina app. That was great. The Prayers You Go app. So they just helped me to do what I was having trouble doing in my own self. Um, and obviously praying with others was wonderful. I was able to kind of grab onto a bit of what, um, you know, what what they were... Yeah, yeah, borrow a bit of what they're doing. And um, yeah, Nick, Nick prayed for me um, lots, which was wonderful. I think when I said, oh, something's not right here, you know, I'm not feeling myself, my usual self, uh, it was a little bit, it was new territory really, wasn't it? He didn't quite know what to do with me. There's <laughs> that Coldplay song about, I don't, uh, is that Coldplay song, uh, I think he's writing about his wife, Gwyneth Poulter at the time, and I think he's saying something like, you know, talking about trying to fix you or something, and they're like, yeah, I remember, like, as a guy, kind of like, oh, how do I fix Amy, but I don't know how, like, <laughs> and she's been so wonderful to me, and so I, I guess the only thing I, I felt for myself to help her is is to pray. I, I just went and prayed and just, just said, Lord, fill her with your, you know, reminder of your love, fill her with your, you know, because I think it's that thing Amy was just saying before, and, and it's why I love how, like, all the um, the prayers of the church are, are all written in plural, like our, like, you know, we do this together. Because we have to actually borrow each other's faith sometimes. You know, like, sometimes on, as an individual on your own, it's really hard. And, and, and you have to borrow a bit of faith sometimes, eh? You know, our Father, you know, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, you know, like... We, I, I, that's why I felt for me that I, you know, I probably could have done a hundred million other things better than I did as a husband, um, just being a typical bloke. Um, but I think that was the one thing I did do right, probably for 2020. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I did something else, like made mow the lawns or got the you know put the rubbish out or something. But I think I got that one right. So yeah, I'll take that as a win. Um, yeah, I, I just I, th- I think in our marriage and I, and, it, and it goes for. It, just friendships and family and church together. I think it's a sense that we rely on each other and that we need each other. Um, I think we, we're so conditioned into this individ, rugged individualism thing in the West where you just have to do everything on your own, including your, your relationship with God. And when things aren't working, like Amy was sharing and I shared last week, when things aren't working, you actually need others to help you through that. And, and, it, and sometimes that will be, like Amy says, like, Putting the putting the app on or the worship music on and just listening, because sometimes it's it, you just find it very hard to read or you find it very hard to speak words. But just to to immerse yourself in God's presence and with and, and use others to help you, yeah. Yeah. So so Sabbath is something that is a wonderful concept in the Bible that God and, and Jesus talks about. It's the um, 
in the Ten Commandments, it's the, the biggest commandment, isn't it, that's got the most words in it. And I thought Sabbath was a, a fantastic concept, you know, and definitely worthwhile investing in. But for this kind of new season of life where I could work and the kids were all at school, like, man, there was a lot of fun to be had, a lot of opportunities to be had, and a, a lot of adventure to be had. So in that time period, which has been about four years, um, yeah, I just wanted to have it all. I wanted my cake. No, how does that saying go? I wanted to have my cake and eat it. Uh, so I, and I did, and I suppose I, I thought I could. I really thought that I could, but I, but I couldn't. So I, you know, nothing... Um, there wasn't anything in particular that I could say took me to this place, but actually just a long time of poor self-care and overestimating um, what I could do and taking withdrawals where I wasn't investing um, nearly enough. So uh, just when we were chatting, uh, uh, you had some cool thoughts on Sabbath. Hey. Yeah, um, I, I read a fantastic book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, and uh, it, it's, a, it's a great book just to sort of get your idea around the fact that we just so busy in the West and, and it's so ingrained into our culture and how much rest and Sabbath is so important. And um, this is not a religious thing because I think sometimes people, I've, I've had people come to my door actually who say, do you celebrate Sabbath on, on Sunday? And I'm like, well, we go to church on Sunday and we're pastors and they're like, oh, you're, you know, you're wrong and they try to say something, you know, some, we're disobeying the scriptures or something. It's, it's nothing like that. It's, it's, it's actually about a principle. Um, there's a guy called Pete Scazzero and he talks about like um, this principle that God has outlaid is, 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 is a principle of the sort of the universe, how things work. And he says, um, he says, you can choose to Sabbath or not Sabbath, but if you if you don't, you're kind of going against the grain of the universe. And this is the principle of rest. That's what Sabbath is. It's about a principle of rest that, that, that God rested. Um, not that he was tired, but that he actually sat back and delighted in his creation. And that we need to do that weekly, like even daily, have like that rest in our lives, that we sit back and delight with our family and with our friends and in creation. Um, it's, it's funny, Pizzicero talked about this thing about the French Revolution. Um, they wanted to do about all the, you know, the church and all this sort of stuff because they're going to create this utopian society. And so one thing they did was they're like, oh, we don't want our week to be orientated around the church and Sabbath and Sunday, so we're going to change the working week. And so what they did, instead of having seven days a week, they said, let's go to ten, and we're going to get so much more efficiency, people are going to be working harder, and we're going to be building this amazing utopia without the control of the royalty and the, the church and all its abuses. And anyway, what happened was it was an absolute disaster. They found, like, people, like, like working ten days in a row with no rest you know, like, pe like people kind of revolted and didn't like it and production and efficiency all went through the ground. Like it actually, it was like what Pete Scazzaro says, that they actually realised, you know, God's put this principle of rest in place. It's in the rhythm of the universe. And when you go against it with the busyness of life and 
you know, and, 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 and I think we're all aware how much more we work more than we did probably 10, 20 years ago, how much more commitments we have, how much more things that we're involved in, that, that if we don't put rest into our lives, like actually be intentional about this, like having some like rest where we sit back and actually enjoy and delight being with God and others, that we will um, face the consequences. And I think Pete Scazzaro talks about this other thing too, like about um, you can either choose Sabbath or, or Sabbath will choose you. So basically you will be, you know, you choose to have a rest or else you're going to have a burnout where you have to, your body's going to say, I'm shutting down now. Like I'm taking some time out because you haven't done this for me. And um, I, for us, we're still working on it. Um, but this is, this is something that we're trying to intentionally put into our lives. And um, yeah, just want to... Yeah, so I think I had really neglected and underestimated my need for for Sabbath. And there's, uh, I think most people probably know this story, but um, yeah, but it goes like this. There was a European missionary serving in Africa a century ago. They hired local villagers as porters to help carry supplies to a distant station. The porters went at a slower pace than the missionaries desired so, it, so after the first two days, they pushed them to go faster. On day three of the trek, the group, the group went twice as fast as day two. Around the campfire that evening, the missionaries congratulated themselves for their leadership abilities. But on day four, the workers would not budge. What's wrong? asked the missionaries. We cannot go any further today, replied the village's spokesman. Why not? Everyone appears well. Yes, said the African. But we went so quickly yesterday that we must wait here for our souls to catch up with us. And I, I don't think I don't think it was bad that I was in a, a different phase of life where I was enjoying that phase of life, taking opportunities, having adventures and uh, different things. But I wasn't taking into account my need to catch up with myself if I'd been having. Um, you know, having a busy week or having a busy period, I wasn't taking that into account anymore, or well at all, and my lifestyle as well didn't wasn't set up anymore that I was naturally forced to be at home, waiting for children to wake up from naps while I you know, so there was there wasn't that naturally being catered for in my life anymore and I had to um, I've got to parent myself now about what I can do and what I need to do to replenish my soul once I've done that. And, um, yeah, for my hauora hiningaro to be at its best, I need to make allowances for that uh, in my life. And something, yeah, just that Nick's mentioned has been... Um, looking at how we Sabbath as individuals, as a couple, and as a family, um, and that's been really helpful. Um, but yeah, definitely that that power of confession as well. When I said to Nick, and uh, you know, hey, this is going on for me, and I talked about it with him, that that power of confession is just 
it's fantastic, isn't it? If you've ever experienced that, it's, it's you like that stranglehold that Nick was talking about this morning as well. It's like it loosens up on you. And I've, like it felt like, or if there's other times of, you know, that, you know, you're confessing something, um, it feels like, you know, when you get a splinter or something that's got in there a bit sneakily and the skin's grown over it and then it starts to get sore after a while and you've got this pain in your finger but you can't see where it's coming from so you kind of have to fish around with the needle until you expose the head and um, every time and like particularly in this situation where I talked to Nick and said hey this is going on for me it, it feels like exposing the head exposing the head of what's going on. And yeah, there's a bit of work to get it out, and sometimes they're tricky and they're sore and stuff, but I could see what it was that I was looking at. And um, yeah, so something with the Sabbath, um, just to finish up, it sounds kind of fancy, but it's not particularly fancy in our lives, but it's been really helpful. Um, That guy, John Mark Comer, that Nick's, talked about reading his book, um, their church on their website have a really helpful resource called The Rule of Life, and I can put the link up in our Rōpū page if anybody's interested, but it has um, a chart, and it's got three different sections uh, from memory, it's like, be like Jesus, or be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. And then there's some subheadings in there. And, and you just kind of fill that out for yourself. We've done it individually and for our family. And um, one of the areas in there is Sabbath. And um, so for our, ourselves, it's about our devotional time each day, our own devotional time. And, and we have these really lofty goals in there as well that sometimes happen about having like family devotional times. Well, yeah, that doesn't actually, yeah. <laughs> but it's aspirational. <laughs> and, and a lot of this, this chart that we've filled out for, a fam- for our family, like it, their goals, it's a guide, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked, you know, that we're trying our best. And um, sometimes I, I find it really helpful when things feel like they're going wobbly as a family and just everything's feeling a bit frayed at the edges we will get it out and look at it together as a family again, and I just feel like our, our week and everything's back on track. We're back on track. And so as a family, we have one evening a week that's um, a Sabbath evening for us, and that means that we're all hanging out. The the tech is away. There's, um, yeah, the, yeah. The, the kids aren't allowed tech in the week anyway, but... That is not involved in our Sabbathing together. Um, we put the phones away, and we might cook dinner together. We play board games. Um, you know how we talk about peace and rest. It's sort of like it's an ongoing project. Yeah, as the kids get older, but yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, and then we have goals, which we mostly make of. Each term, we have a weekend Sabbath together as a family, so that's the same deal. And each year, we have a bit more of an extended um, family time of Sabbath together where we're putting aside the phones, we're putting aside the tech. And we did our first one this last Christmas. We went out to the beach, like at Cheapest Chips tenting site, 
and we camped, I think we, we did four days. Like, it would be cool to build up to a bit longer, but we did four days, and oh, it's just amazing, eh? Like, the kids complained about it a lot because they wanted to go away with their cousins. They didn't want to lay... Yeah, they were, oh, mum and dad, and just asked this is going to be boring as, but they absolutely loved it. And, um, the, yeah, they just... You played, like, we were down by at the beach and the beach kind of had a river that went into the sea they had um, logs and sticks and there was like clay there and mud and um, even the older two got involved in like imagination games with the little kids and and they had these they're not here so they don't know that I'm sharing that but yeah they had these big logs that were in there and they pushed them into the water and they were all on there and someone was the captain and <laughs> we just had a lot of fun watching them and I think that the nothing box is just fabulous for all of us because they had a little bit of time of detox and then their imaginations came out, their creativity came out, they were all moulding stuff out of the clay and trying to see if they could get it to bake in the sun and come back the next day to find that it had and yeah it was just um, really really good and so we're kind of looking forward to continuing to build on that as a family but um, yeah yeah so that's pretty much just what I wanted to share today and yeah I just I just thought it'd best be cool while we're talking about that power of confession just to have an opportunity to pray for people today if there's something that you want to get out of a hidden space into the light today, maybe, you, you know, with worry or anxiety or anything, or maybe you want prayer for healing like we were speaking about. We'd love to just have a, have a time of that. So maybe if the wonderful Jeremy and Vic maybe could lead us in a, um, a song to just worship with together.